Next on BYUSN, we turn the page to the year 2024. What BYU sports storylines are we most looking forward to entering a new year? And BYU men's basketball finishing up their non-conference schedule with an impressive 12-1 record. But what's the most sustainable aspect of BYU's incredible start as they enter the toughest conference in America? Very good question. Also ahead, the radio voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, will join us to talk up Saturday night's Big 12 opener against Cincinnati. And we take a deep dive into a brand new deep blue with Heather Hampson as the women's basketball team prepares for its Big 12 home opener tonight against Oklahoma. And that's how we start the new year. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Lots of energy presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, January 3rd. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who was so close to receiving an invite to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's New Year's Eve party, Dave McCann. I was going to wear this shirt because she <laughs> likes pink, uh, but it didn't work out. However, you know who it did work out for? Matt Bushman. Yes. Take Amazing. a look at this picture. This is incredible. With, with, with Matt and, uh, and his wife. Uh, and there's Taylor Swift and there's Kelsey. <laughs> this, is their, this, is their, uh, this is their New Year's Eve. Matt and Emily uh, hanging out with uh, Travis and Taylor uh, rolling in 2024. I'm telling you what, she, speaking of wow. the biggest name in, in, the, in the world right now, has changed the Chiefs. Yes, yes. If not their product, because they haven't been great this year, but she's up in the booth, and everyone's like, how many Taylor Swift cutaways are we going to see today? <laughs> the only I reason, think they bet on it in Vegas. The only reason Puka Nakua's jersey is probably not number one overall in the NFL is because of Swifties buying Travis Kelsey jerseys. Oh, yeah. Jerseys. His career has changed dramatically. <laughs> now, he hasn't, let's be honest, he hasn't caught near as many touchdowns since the relationship began yes. as he had before. But, hey, that's life. We all adjust to new things. Let the conspiracy theories begin <laughs> about... Taylor Swift potentially impacting the Chiefs and their chemistry. This is, it's wild. I've always appreciated the joke, too. Like, oh, yeah, that's Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so how was that? It has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. How was the holiday? It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, energy is good with BYU sports and BYU basketball specifically. It was nice to take a breather, watch the magic unfold of Christmas with you uh, through my kids' eyes. And I, I know you know all about that. I mean, you've been doing it for a long time. Sure. They certainly take an impact on the – you know, the bank account as well. Oh, yeah. But it's totally worth it when you see the magic in their eyes on Christmas morning. That's and why then... we come back to work in January to yes. uh, pay for the magic. <laughs> yeah. But after the ball game the other night uh, against Wyoming, we had a couple of guys, one from Virginia and one from uh, Idaho, came down to talk to us. And they talked about how much they love this show. So uh, the folks in Virginia watching today, they're big fans of yours and Jerem and, and BYU TV. But anyways, nice to get yeah. some out-of-state yes. type feedback on – Cougar Nation, and you're right, there's momentum going into 24 like we haven't seen in a long, long time. Absolutely. I'm always humbled when we travel specifically and meet people outside of the state about the power of the BYU sports brand yeah. and what we get to do in this building at BYU Broadcast. We're like a 7-Eleven with endless amounts of Slurpees for BYU fans. <laughs> Let's go. That's just where they come. This get, is where they come. Get your Slurpee here <laughs> in the form of what's trending but BYU was just that unstoppable force. The way they're playing is really fun. Full fire, score for three! Turnaround jumper, good! There it is! Their sitting now is just unbelievable. Nobody expected it. Tyler Haas said it best. Nobody expected this. 
12-1, BYU basketball, ranked number 12. They're a top four team in Ken Palm and in net. Depending on the day, day they besides number two, you know, they're, they're yeah. fluctuating between number two and number four here. It's just been a wild ride. As always, what's trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Okay, so now that the non-conference is official and BYU's only setback is to Utah, they've got quality wins against San Diego State and NC State, most notably, most recently taking care of business against Wyoming in a very impressive fashion. So, Dave, I, I think the question is, as we push forward into the new year, after 13 non-conference games, and with things being otherworldly good for BYU, what is actually sustainable once BYU enters the toughest conference in America in the Big 12? Excellent question, because a lot of people think that reality is just going to show up starting Saturday night, and then all of a sudden uh, BYU is going to be outmanned, outmatched, outcoached, outperformed. Uh, but the numbers show that... Um, that may not be the case, and I think that's a reason for hope, and there's a reason for guarded, uh, um, guarded optimism. But last year, last January, BYU was 181 in the assist-to-turnover ratio stat, and now they're number one. It's um, unbelievable. That 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 is a, a, a thing I'm looking at that they can sustain. Okay, so you're you're buying into that even against the toughest competition in the country. Yeah, because turnovers are turnovers, and they can come against you know turnovers. A lot of lazy performance on a lot of uh, a, a lot of times, and and if you're sharp in taking care of the ball, and this is a team that and you see even in this video, they'll pass up a good shot for a better shot. See that right there? Jackson Robinson could have shot it. Dallin Hall could have shot it. Jackson and gets Robinson it back eventually. Again, and he knocks it down. Passing up a good shot for a better shot has been the theme of this team. It's allowed them to uh, distribute the ball to the shooters, and the shooters are going to shoot, and this is a group that shoots. Um, that I think they can contain as they go into these different environments because that's on them. You know, Kansas can throw out five seven-footers, uh, but it's on BYU whether or not Spencer Johnson's going to throw a bad pass. Um, and... Uh, and so I, I think that they can sustain that. If they can sustain that, then they've got a shot at being in these yeah. games. So turnovers are brutal. Last year we had games where they had 24 turnovers. Uh, the other night they had three. So it's, this is a different concept, and you can maintain this concept because it's within the team. Yeah. Like Mark Pope says, I like, we know who we are. I like who we are. This is who they are. And if they get out there and they start turning the ball over a million times, that's out of what they've been I sure. think they can maintain it by, by re remaining with that identity of who they are. Well, I asked Mark Pope the statistic that he cares the most about after 13 non-conference games during the postgame after BYU beat up on Wyoming. Yeah. And without hesitation, he said, it's our ability to take care of the ball. They want to be at 10 or fewer turnovers every game. And they want to be north of 20 assists every game. They want to have, at least as a team, a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Think about that. As a team, Dave, like – a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio is like a pretty good number as a player. Three-to-one is kind of like what individuals shoot for, unless you're Ali Khalifa and you're 14-to-1. Yeah, he's really skewing the whole <laughs> team number, too. But they want to be fewer than 10 turnovers, and they want to have more than 20 assists per game. And I think because BYU is – they have this unwavering commitment to who they are, which is we share the ball, we're very unselfish, and – we're going to go on the defensive side. We're going to rebound the heck out of the basketball. So I, I'm with you to a degree. Like, I, I think BYU will continue to share the basketball. 
it's just going to get tougher to share it at the high level that they have been because defenses are going to be markedly better. BYU is going to run into Utah's and NC State's and San Diego State's basically night in and night out in the Big 12. But BYU won two of those three games against opponents I just referenced. Did they not? Do, doing what you just talked about, sharing the basketball. Remember against Utah, one of the reasons they lost to Utah, and they still had a million chances to win it, make some free throws and win that game anyway, but, but there were so many, so many isolation plays yeah. where it was like four guys standing around and Spencer Johnson's backing in or, or, uh, or Jackson's backing in or somebody else, and then they'd turn around and take the shot, and there wasn't anyone to rebound because no one's moving around. And they had like four or five possessions of like that almost in a row. And Utah was able to get up to a 16-point lead, and they, and they had enough to hang on to. But that wasn't them. They haven't done that since. Uh, and when they do that, and you see it in a game, you'll know that either the shot clock's winding down and somebody's just going to take the shot. But, but they, they, I think they learned from the Utah experience that that's how to get beat. And that's how to get beat in the Big 12 against teams that are taller, yeah. uh, like, like the Utes were. Um, but the way to offset that is avoid that because you know what it is. And don't let Cincinnati bait you into that. And, and that will be a challenge because they're playing good teams. Um, but, but I think that, that Utah experience taught them when we go back to our old self like they were a lot last year, mm -hmm. th then they're not themselves. They're not the team that's 12-1. and one. Um, Maybe if they'd squeak that Utah game out, they might not have learned that. And now they're thinking, hey, we're 13-0, we're invincible. And then a team comes in and shows you that, that you're not. Uh, that taste up there in Salt Lake, I think, has a lot to do with how they've responded. BYU's numbers, and we just showed you, like, you're looking at a team that is best in the country. I need to remind people that this isn't like college football where there are 133 teams. There are over 350 Division I college basketball teams in the country. Yeah. You get five guys and a coach, you're a team. Three, 350-plus. So BYU's number one in rebounding margin and in assist-to-turnover margin. They're fifth in scoring at over 90 a game. How do they sustain this in the Big 12? i tell you what I absolutely think they can sustain, and that is BYU's going to shoot a ton of threes regardless of the competition. Yeah, that ball's going up. They're going to put up 30-plus three-pointers. That, to me, is the most sustainable thing of this whole effort and like a dedication to who BYU is. Could be. They have embraced it. It's not going anywhere. Will they make more than 12 a game out of the 33 attempts that they're putting up? Almost 34 a game? I don't know. But I think the key to, for BYU to continue to win games in Big 12 play is to fire up those 30-plus threes a night. And if you're in double figures, if you, make, if you go 10 for 30 or 12 for 31, you're going to win a lot of basketball games, yes, even in the powerful Big 12. So they, they can keep that commitment yeah. to that scheme. And I don't think that their dedication to go and rebound the basketball because it's an attitude. It's a mindset. I talked to uh, Noah Waterman, a number of the guys about this. Like, what's the, di like, what's the deal? Why, why is the rebounding so good? And they said, it's just a mindset. Like, it's, it's everybody goes to the basketball. Why would that all of a sudden go away? Like, yeah. they are who they are. They're committed to that. And so rebounding and firing up three-pointers are probably the two most sustainable numbers to me. What drove Wyoming's coach nuts was not the initial three-point shot. It was the miss and the rebound, the kick out, and the second three-point shot on the same trip down the floor. And BYU hit so many of those on, Saturday, on, uh, on last Friday, and it just drove him crazy because you're defending the first one so hard. <laughs> and then there's a rebound, and it's like, are they going to attack the basket? No, they're going back out there. And there were a couple of times BYU shot four threes on one trip down the floor because that's what they do. 
And if you hit it, you head back down to play defense. Um, and, and they're so tough to defend because a, a long rebound off a missed three is anyone's ball. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, someone else is sitting open ready to shoot his three. And uh, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're the opposing coach, <laughs> for sure. Expectations shift, for sure. And, uh, I mean, before we transition into topic two, I just want to ask you, how many games are you expecting BYU to win in the Big 12 right now? Because going into the season, I was hopeful for six, maybe seven wins in the Big 12. That number for me has now shifted to nine wins and gulp. Maybe BYU could have a winning record in the Big 12 at 10 and 8. Well, if you look at ESPN, they project BYU to have a big month in January and February and take second or third place. They're favored in the majority of the game. So are... Uh, I know. I, I feel like they can defend the home floor better than I thought they might. Okay. Uh, and they get what nine games uh-huh. at the Marriott Center. Uh, let's say let's say they win eight of those. That gives them 20 wins before they go out to fish for some wins on the road. And they play nine road games. Okay. Now all of a sudden you're going pick off three on the road if you're hitting your threes. Maybe that's optimistic. But let's say you get two on the road. Now you have 22 wins. I don't know what your seed is in the NCAA tournament. It's better than it's been well, in. Yeah, it's a four seed. <laughs> in t- 10 years. If you have years. a winning record in the Big 12, you're going to be like at worst a five seed. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. It's fun to be optimistic, and then it's fun to have the numbers to back it up. Woo. All right, our second topic as we, we close the door on 23. Uh, 2024 is here. What BYU storylines are you most looking forward to here in the new year? I think it's the pursuit of a second Big 12 conference title for me. That was when the question was brought up in our morning meeting. That was immediately where my mind went was BYU was so close in a number of other sports. Women's cross country got the only one. And they're still the team that has the only Big 12 conference championship trophy. And soccer got right BYU to that women's game. Soccer was right there. So they, they couldn't take the regular season from Texas Tech. They lost in the, the tournament championship against Texas, so they just missed that. But they got to the College Cup. And so you want to weigh things. Getting to the College Cup, yes, it's greater than winning a Big 12 title. But I want to know, women's volleyball, good team. Can they get to that elite tier and really challenge? Now that Texas is leaving, Texas has been so unbelievably good. Yeah. Texas going to the SEC. So can BYU women's volleyball take over that top spot and be the best in the Big 12. I just wonder, what, who's going to be the team that wins the next Big 12 Conference Championship trophy? And I look forward to the pursuit of that in 2024. Getting Oklahoma and Texas out of here opens the door for a whole lot. Of it things. really does. For everybody. For a lot of sports. Yeah, my storyline for 2024 is when this BYU football team goes to Salt Lake and beats the U2. <laughs> Uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, which we anticipate that's when the game will be. And we might know in a week or so when the schedule is supposed to come out. But uh, there hasn't been a conference game uh, over Thanksgiving weekend between these two since 2010. And this is going to be the first time as members of the members same of Power the same 5 conference. Power, no, no one gets to act bigger than the other one. Uh, the last four games up in Salt Lake have been decided by a combined 13 points. Nuts. Um, I, I love the, the fact that I, I'm glad the game's in Salt Lake. It'd be fun to have it here, but... But take this show on the road and go up there as a Big 12 foe and, and get after it. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions with this BYU football team, but Utah's got just as many. Um, 2021 is the last time they played. We watched BYU dominate the Utes in every single category in that game. Not just who was the quarterback or who was the linebacker, but every single category 
And, uh, you know, you look around, BYU had a few NFL guys out there on that field. Yeah. Uh, and a few more that could have been, including Jaron Hall throwing the touchdown pass and, and, of course, Samson with the touchdown. But what a big night was the day after BYU was invited to the Big 12. So that was quite the weekend. Now they get to reunite up in Salt Lake as Big 12 foes. And they're going to play every year henceforth, yeah. as it should be after this, you know, dozen-year hiatus. I love it. Yeah, that's the storyline for I me. Look for, I love it. The rivalry banter, and not just in football, but in every sport, right? Every sport. Now, BYU and Utah are competing in every sport. Yeah. And you know what? Our As Twitter, it should be. Our Twitter feeds spike when BYU plays Utah because all the Utes <laughs> come over and try to get their two cents in. Okay. <laughs> Who in the world is going to be the quarterback for BYU is another storyline to look into in 2024. Is it going to be Jake Ratzlaff, or is it going to be somebody that comes in through the transfer portal? There have been ideas and um, I don't want to call them rumors, but that's kind of still where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Of certain, certain guys that um, one of a former Baylor quarterback that we can't yeah. mention his specific name because we're not allowed to until he's officially signed. A but, UNLV kid just went in the portal. Okay, So there, there are names out there, mm -hmm. you know, who's going to be BYU's quarterbacks that's competing with Jake Retzloff for that starting position and starting in Salt Lake city in late November. That's going to be fascinating for spring practice. Because uh, I don't know the answer. I was thinking about that the other day on a, on a walk up the hillside. And I was thinking if Jake had handed off to Aiden Robbins to beat Oklahoma. Now, I think they, now they I beat, think Oklahoma. They would have beat Oklahoma. Now Jake Retzoff is a winning quarterback. And he's played in a bowl Oklahoma. game. And he's played in a bowl game. And then I'm thinking <laughs> that for him would have been, I think he would have gotten oh. the keys to the car. But the fact that it didn't work out, How and then it didn't work out that? the following week, and now I can't answer the question who's going to be the quarterback, uh, it makes for an intriguing spring, but uh, I don't know if we know the answer. I don't know if we, we have the person who it's yes. going to be. Yes. Um, that's a, that's going to be a huge storyline. Whoever the quarterback at BYU is always a major storyline. No question. It's, it's probably the number one topic <laughs> more like more often than not, yeah. you know, we're going to talk about it a within few times. all of BYU sports. Like what's the typical, like turning point question or the one that triggers people the most is the starting quarterback position at quarterback you yeah for so many decades yeah blame everyone who came through okay and then let's go ahead and circle back to what we we're talking about in topic one is what what seed is BYU men's basketball going to have in the NCAA tournament I think we've all kind of accepted that BYU will be in the NCAA tournament and I don't think that that is being blue goggled at all at this juncture they're going to get in the tournament but are they going to be a double digit seed are they going to you know have to really yeah. fight to get in there as an 11 or 12 seed and and it's going to be a struggle through Big 12 play, or are they going to continue to surprise people and be like a four or five seed? Like that, that's another storyline to watch in the new year. Yeah, it feels like eight. feels like eight under the worst-case scenario of going in and getting knocked around, considering they're a two before league play starts. It's unbelievable. But uh, we'll ask Gregory Bell that question in a minute. Start right. thinking about that, Gregory. And we're asking you the following question of the day. Which BYU sports storylines are you most looking forward to in 2024, Graydon Larson on Instagram answers, definitely BYU men's basketball making the tournament as a six seed okay. or better and doing some damage. Whew. Uh, just, to, just to put it in perspective, West Virginia went 7-11 and 11 in Big 12 play last year, and they were a nine seed. If you win 50% of your games in the Big 12, like Iowa State did last year, they were 9-9. Nine and nine. I think they had 20 wins going into the tournament. They were a six seed. But they had a, they had a scenario where they lost, I think, 
I want to say like seven of their last nine games, and they still got a six seed. But that's yeah. how tough the conference is. That's so, how big Saturday's game is. My goodness. Because Cincinnati's never played a Big 12 game either. So just get it while it's Let's hot. Let's go. Take advantage of that home court in the Marriott Center. Hashtag BYUS on an X, Facebook, and Instagram to join that conversation. Speaking of the Cougars, up to number 12 in the poll. Conference play Saturday night. 12-1 BYU, 10-2 Cincinnati. What a matchup to fire things up. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. I think we need to add another voice to the conversation. In fact, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, joins us. What does he believe is the most sustainable aspect of BYU basketball's 12-1 start? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go the MVP of your next event. Right wing, Waterman knocks down the triple. Big make for Noah. And pulls, fires, and scores. Top of the key three. Beautiful move. Up and in at the rim, Dawson Baker. Johnson for three. Johnson for three. We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. We call it BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Dave McCann. Happy New Year, everyone. We now welcome in the voice of the Cougars. Greg Rubel is joining us in Studio B. And Greg, we were just talking about storylines we're looking forward to most in 2024. Some questions that we have certainly about what is sustainable for BYU men's basketball as they push into Big 12 play. So we'll start with those two topics. Uh, specifically, which storylines are you looking forward to most as 2024 unfolds? I think number one top of mind is, you know, can BYU make it to the NCAA tournament in its first year in the Big 12 in men's basketball? Because a few months ago, that was seen as very much a pie-in-the-sky scenario, and now it's much more likely. you still got to go do it, though, right? And, and these next 18 games over 10 weeks will determine if BYU can take, can take all the positive that it's built up in non-conference play and translate it into winning play in the Big 12 and make it to the NCAA tournament. Yes, the seed is high right now and, and they're penciled in everyone's bracket, but you gotta go do it. And that's the challenge they've got. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled to, 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 to be talking about the fact that it's a possibility. And I know they're thrilled to be uh, uh, embarking on this journey to get themselves to that spot. That's a huge storyline. Yeah. Um, and then I think you flip it to the fall and, and, and more than just the quarterback, although it's a big part of it, how does this BYU offense rebound mm. and, and look more like the attacks we've been used to seeing with Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes of recent seasons? Because this last year was a real step back outlier. And can they get back to looking like BYU football again? What's amazing about sports is uh, football gets to five and two and uh, everyone's going, OK, you know, we can get to the Pop-Tarts Bowl or, or the, all of a sudden we are somewhere no one thought we'd be. And then reality came. We were picked to finish 11th. We finished 11th after losing last five. So Cougar Nation is kind of down here. And then here comes basketball where everyone kind of starts down here. And now it's just this way. I, I think fans aren't quite sure yeah. what, what, what to think. And I've been thinking about this, too, that the comparisons, because football started 3-0, and 5-2, and then, you yeah. know, ended up going two and seven in the league, lost your last five games. So basketball is now 12 and one. Are there parallels there? And, and yes and no, because even when football was five and two, they were five and two with metrics that weren't really viable. Yes. By the skin of their they teeth. Were, they, were, they were five and two because of turnover margin and, and red zone scoring and, and a general opportunism and some great field position. And when those elements began to kind of, you know, trickle back, and they weren't there anymore, the baseline fundamental metrics weren't there to sustain BYU football. BYU basketball, the baseline metrics are there. 
Yeah. That's what's carrying them right now. So, so the numbers, you can't, you can't fool the computers. BYU's done this uh, legitimately to get the 12 and 1 and put themselves at, at 2 in the net and 3 in the Ken Palm. They've done it with metrics that look viable. Now it's going to get tougher in the Big 12. There's no doubt about that. Some numbers may drop back, but I think some things will translate from non-conference to conference play. So I think where football and basketball differ is that, is that football was a little bit of an illusion at 5-2 and two because, again, there were baseline numbers that weren't viable. Yes. Where, where basketball's 12-1 and one looks, looks wholly le legitimate, realizing now it'll be tougher to sustain those numbers uh, throughout the Big 12. Greg Rubel is with us on BYU Sports Station. Let's talk about that sustaining of mm -hmm. certain numbers for BYU men's basketball. Dave and I just gave our opinions. I feel like BYU is not going to go away from their dedication to shoot the three, Greg. I feel like 30-plus threes are still going to go up every game because of the way they play. Yeah. Can they make 12 or more? I don't know about that, but I feel like I, I'm very confident they're going to shoot 30-plus threes a game and that their commitment to rebounding is not going to go away either. The rebounding margin may not be there against some yeah. of these bigger, better teams, but – the commitment, I don't think, is going anywhere either. So what do you think is the most sustainable? Yeah, the Big 12 is the best rebounding conference in the country. Uh, and again, so it may be tougher to grab some of those rebounds. BYU's been used to grabbing through these first 13 games. But I think a sustainable uh, stat or trend would be the three-point rate. Yeah. That is yes. the number they want to get up. I think they, they can still get up their 30 to 43s. That part can translate from, from non-conference to conference play. Um, the assist to turnover number, the true assists per game, um, some of those may come down if, if indeed the scoring numbers come. Can you, can you be a 90-point-per-game team in the Big 12? Uh, but I think, I think the rate at which they want to shoot the three can, can be a translatable stat from non-conference to conference play. And whether or not they're making 13 a game on average, like is the case right now, that may or may not be the number they get through. Uh, but I think as long as the rate stays where they want to be, they should be in a pretty good spot. Not a lot of teams get to add their best player back after no. such a run that BYU's on, but Fusini Traore is expected back on Saturday, barring a setback. Um, how does he fit in to this group now? Yeah, well, you know, they, they run it with Ali a different way, right? But again, Ali's not playing 30 minutes a game. They, they already know that, that, that they play it one way when he's on the floor and one way when he's not. Um, so they won't ask Foos to do all the same things Ali does. I, I think it's kind of great that, that, that they've got the, the variability and, and the versatility to, to play um, different post guys in different ways and challenge the opposing defenses that way. BYU is a real uh, handful right now to defend. They, they truly are. Um, you know, Mark, when Coach Pope talks about the 27 by 50, that's a real thing. Mm. There's a lot of floor you have to defend against BYU. And the fact they can do it in different ways with just the different big guys we're talking about. I mean, Atiki's already shown. They, they run it a little differently with Atiki than they do with Ali and so too uh, with Foos. Um, this is a really, really... Uh, it's a mixed bag for BYU offensively that makes it hard to just scout and say, well, we'll take this away, we'll take that away. There's just too many things. Now, we got a lot of play-by-play -play guys here in this group. <laughs> I, think, I think we almost call all of them. You throw Jeremy in here and we've got it covered. Uh, but on radio, you got to use more words. And, and so you would be able to best relate to this question. Describe the ball movement of this BYU team. Because when the ball comes down the floor, it's over here, and then it's over here, and then it's over there, and then it's over here. Then there's a shot. If it's a miss, it goes over here, goes over there. And you got to keep up. Yeah, in you know, hockey, uh, they, they use the term cycle. And I use it in basketball, too. The ball is always cycling. It is cycling, cycling, cycling. And, and, and you know, five out is, is a staple of this BYU offense right now. It, it, you know, it ping-pongs around until, until the best look is there. And um, that, that's just the great thing about it is the constant motion and passing up a good shot for a better shot, uh, as, as you're seeing. It's, it's just that's how this offense – it's a tiring 
offense to run. Yes. It's a more tiring offense to defend. And after a while, someone feels like it's going to get open. It's just, it's just so hard to stay on top of what they want to do. Uh, that, that, that's why I'm just I, I'm so excited about how that's going to translate into Big 12 play is what these teams are going to see from BYU. Because BYU is an outlier right now. The, the, the gap between, the, the, let's use this as an example, the gap between the number of threes BYU makes per game and second place in the Big 12 is equal to the gap or greater than the gap between second and 11th right now wow. in the Big 12. So, so BYU is doing it at a really extreme rate. And again, the raw number may come down, but that's how they want to play. They want to be a true outlier. How does the rest of the Big 12 re react and respond to an outlier offense in this league? There's an argument that Cincinnati could be one of the three best teams that BYU has played to date, joining San Diego State and uh, Utah. Maybe they're right there with NC State, that type, that caliber of team. So as you look at the numbers for the Bearcats, and they just took care of Evansville, used like just a crazy second half. After being down at eight at halftime. Yes. Yeah. Went nuts in the second half and won convincingly. But what's your impression of Cincinnati and how BYU matches up with the Bearcats? Well, matchup is the word. They do exactly they, – they, they do as well at rebounding as BYU does. These are the top two rebound margin teams in the country. Out of 360-plus teams, these are one and two. And Ooh. they match up in, in game one here in the Big 12. So they do a lot of what BYU likes to do. Um, they, they excel in transition defense. Teams don't get loose on the fast break. Uh, against Cincinnati very frequently. And BYU makes its living at about 18 points a game on fast break. And, and so, you know, Cincinnati's going to pick a poison clearly on this one. And, and, and if they say we're going to get back, how does BYU, you know, BYU's defensive rebound numbers and uh, since as Cincinnati's offensive rebound numbers may suffer, BYU's may gain as a result of that. That's one thing I want to see is, is re because both teams have out-rebounded all 13 opponents they've had. Wild. So, so neither team's lost a rebound battle yet. So who wins the rebound battle, A? How much does transition play into things for BYU, B? And then secondly, or thirdly, Cincinnati has played. Now, keep in mind, there are only two Big 12 teams that have played two true away games since he's one of those teams. They lost uh, at Dayton. And they lost at Howard. Okay, this is Ken Palm 236 Howard. They had to go to overtime to beat Howard. Um, they, they beat Stetson by eight. They've, they, they've had some games where they, they've won, but not convincingly. How do they handle a Marriott Center <clears throat> environment on Saturday night? Um, if, as Coach Miller noted yesterday, BYU goes on one of its patented runs in the first half, does Cincy go away in, uh, in the face of that, if that's, if that's indeed what transpires? So I credit Cincy for actually having gone on the road a couple of times. Sure, sure. But that, that Howard game kind of gives me a little bit of pause. And on that note, the one thing BYU's done this year is they're the best team in the country against the spread. They're not just winning the teams they're or winning the games they're supposed to win. Right. They're winning convincingly. And I bring up the Howard game or the Stetson game to show, yeah, sometimes you win, but it's just kind of skinnier. There, there are no skinnier teeth games for BYU right now. They're winning convincingly when they're supposed yes. to. Yes. Who would have thought that uh, your love and passion for hockey would have prepared you to? Let's go. <laughs> Cycle it around. With all the cycling. Yeah. Well, let's hope for cycling on Saturday night. Yeah, let's eat. <laughs> it's been a fun thing for me to sit courtside at some of these games and think, yeah, BYU's playing okay, and look up at the scoreboard, and they're up 21. And I'm like, wow, they're up 21, and I don't feel like they're playing at, a, at their best level right and now. And that's one of the reasons BYU elevated to, to, to two in net and three in Ken Palm is they didn't just win. They, they, they won leaving no doubt. 
and, and, and even with the adjustment for caliber of opponent, <laughs> the metrics were so overwhelmingly impressive. Yeah. BYU had no choice but to go up and up and up. And that to me is maybe the most impressive thing about the team so far is they went to a two in net and three in Ken Palm before Big 12 play got underway. A lot of the heavy lifting has already been done. Yep. for this BYU basketball team. Great stuff. Greg, great to have you in studio, but thanks for the time. Always fun to talk about the Cougs. Let's and, go. Uh, let's look forward to the weekend. BYU basketball with Mark Pope is back tomorrow night. The coach and a player will take on a live studio audience with Greg as the host, 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app and ESPN Plus, and perhaps there'll be more hockey fodder. Let's go. There should be. Noel Waterman is the scheduled guest tomorrow. Great. Up next is Jackson Robinson, BYU's best NBA draft prospect since Jimmer Fredette. The numbers say he just might be. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Happy New Year, everyone. Alongside Dave McCann, I am Spencer Linton. You know what we should do right now, Dave? Feels like we should do the headline. Yes, we should. <laughs> Let's make it happen, man. Men's basketball has been the theme in the show. They continue to rise in the polls. Number 12 this week in the AP Top 25. Number 12 in the coaches poll. Number two in the net after beating Wyoming 94-68 on Saturday. 12-1 now, beginning Big 12 play on Saturday when they host 10-2 Cincinnati. Also, BYU remains a three seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. So if you're 12-1 playing your first game in the Big 12, it seems like those numbers favor you. Just wild to me. Three seed in bracketology right now is just crazy. BYU women's basketball. Actually, before that, ESPN NBA draft expert Jonathan Giovanni gives Jackson Robinson his number 38 overall prospect position for the 2024 NBA draft. This is really, really impressive. Robinson leads BYU in scoring, averaging 16 a game, shooting 48% from the field overall and 41% from three on the season. They love his length, they love his metrics, and certainly they love his elite shooting capability. Number 38 overall, Dave, it, he's probably gonna get drafted. He's got a chance. You gotta keep producing, but he's got a chance. Women's hoops, Oklahoma tonight, Big 12 home opener. BYU coming off a 14-point loss at number 23 TCU. The Horned Frogs are 14-0. Oklahoma comes in 7-5, 1-0 in the Big 12. Coverage starts at 9 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus with Spencer and Kristen on the call and Jason Shepard on BYU Radio. Both of these teams like to get up and down the floor. Should be fun tonight. And a little note from BYU men's and women's swimming who will compete at the FIU Sprint Invite starting today in Miami, Florida. BYU one of eight teams competing at that invitational good luck. What are they just go out in the ocean and race there in Miami? <laughs> I don't think that's how they do it. But it's nice to be in Miami once ah, the meet's over, right? Hang out on South absolutely. Beach. Absolutely. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's offer some opinions. What did you think of Jaron Hall's performance on New Year's Eve against the Packers? Well, I felt like Minnesota's offensive line was in a word terrible and it was backed up by pro football focus's numbers who gave the vikings their worst offensive line grade of any game minnesota has played all year i think it was 46.6 anything under 60 is not great i thought for the first time in nfl history the jets offensive line went over to minnesota and suited up for the Vikings. i just kept asking myself am i making excuses or is minnesota's offensive line just playing really poorly 
Now, I'm not going to say that Jaron played great because he, no, he didn't play well. He didn't. he didn't play well. He had some throws get away from him. But the Vikings offensive line absolutely did him zero favors. All the McCanns were gathered around the TV to cheer him on and just wanted to reduce. It's such a hard job. Yeah. If it was easy, more people would be doing it. But, uh, but he's young. Let's hope he keeps getting chances. College basketball guru Jeff Goodman was asked to pick which team that's currently ranked in the top 25 that he thinks will do a complete nosedive, that's the phrase here, and wind up playing in the NIT. And he chose BYU, citing concerns about the lack of tough games on the non-conference schedule and the Big 12 gauntlet. Dave, are you buying that this could actually happen, or are you concerned that this could happen? Sure, absolutely. Uh, like Mark Pope told us uh, before the game the other day about whether or not the team's Big 12 ready, he goes, I'm not sure. We've never done it before, but I like who we are. We, we just don't know. We've just never done it before. Um, you know, there were days when UTEP, Wyoming, New Mexico, Utah, BYU, they were all good at the same time back in the days of the WAC. This is nothing like that here in the Big 12. But uh, football taught us, okay, five and two, and we're ready, we're in charge here. Maybe we're not in charge. Uh, basketball, we were picked 13 out of 14. Don't think that's the case. We're gonna see. But 12 and one going in is about as best as they could hope for. The three toughest games BYU has played, the Cougars have won two of them. Okay, so even if BYU wins half of their Big 12 games, or even eight of the 18, they go eight and 10, they're gonna make the NCAA tournament and they're gonna be a single digit seed. Like a complete nosedive to me, in, those, in that phrase, that would mean that BYU wins like five or six Big 12 games. Yeah. I think they're gonna win more than five or six. So I'm, yeah, sure there's concern, but a complete nosedive? No, I'm not buying that. Uh, what will be the uh, situation tonight, the key tonight for BYU's women's team to beat Oklahoma over at the Marion Center? You're on the call. I I'm going to scream turnovers, but yeah, no, you go ahead. You, you, that's number one. Yeah. Take care of the ball. BYU only turned it over seven times against TCU on the road against the Horn Frogs team that's ranked in the top 25 and undefeated and beat BYU. But only seven turnovers was a huge improvement. So that and then can BYU defend Oklahoma's transition? Because when Oklahoma is running and gunning, and getting easy buckets, they're a tough team to beat. I know they're seven and five and they've had their ups and downs, but they play well in transition. Defending transition and taking care of the ball, absolutely. BYU does those two things well, they'll win maybe by double figures, Dave. Those freshmen gotta play like sophomores tonight. They're so young, but, uh, but, but great future ahead of them. For sure. All right, as mentioned in headlines, ESPN's draft expert Jonathan Giovanni has Jackson Robinson has his 38th ranked prospect overall for this year's NBA draft. So that prompts the question, is Jackson BYU's best legitimate NBA draft prospect since one Jimmer Fredette? Jimmer's the last to be drafted. So when you look at Kyle Collinsworth, Eric Mika, Tyler Hawes, Brandon Davies, Elijah Bryant, BYU's had some great talent come through yeah. that haven't made those first two rounds of the NBA draft. So Robinson's being thrown in that right now then yeah, absolutely. He does have the best chance, but he's got to earn it. He's got to step it up and he's got to stay that way as the competition gets a little tougher. But but uh, he's such a fun kid yeah. and uh, always smiling. That ankle slowed him down a little bit now that it's back healthy. Yeah. He's got to light it up starting Saturday and earn a draft spot. None of those incredible players and names that you just mentioned we're in the conversation as a top 40 NBA draft prospect at any point in their BYU careers. Yeah. Jackson Robinson's already there, and he's higher than that in some boards. So, yeah, he's the best prospect. No pressure, Jackson. Since Jimmer Fredette. But you got to play great. Up, up next, the newest deep blue.
features BYU women's basketball's Heather Hampson and her journey to make a name for herself and in a way emerge from her impressive family shadows. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Live from Studio B, he is Dave McCann. I am Spencer Linton. The Hampson name carries a significant legacy within BYU athletics. Nobody knows it better than current BYU Women's Basketball Center, Heather Hampson, who has a mom and two older sisters who are frankly BYU legends. It's something that Heather is proud of. Emerging from their shadows to make a name for herself certainly hasn't always been the easiest thing, but it's something that she is certainly attempting to do. This is Deep Blue. Teresa Spalding Hampson, one of the best players to come through here. She was a four-time All-American at BYU. She holds the school record in block shots. She also played overseas after she was done with that. Jen Hampson, absolutely. I mean, an All-American in volleyball and in basketball, like you don't see that a ton. I don't think BYU knew what was coming at him when she came. I actually trusted my mom from the beginning, but I don't know why I always fought her opinion for the longest time, but she was right. I absolutely loved it. Loved playing basketball and volleyball. And then, you know, my siblings always came to games. Watching Jen play was really cool. She was dominant. And she sort of set her parameters and she went and took pole sports, took the basketball program as far as they'd ever been to the Sweet 16, and then took volleyball to the finals, to the championship match. Even Sarah, uh, she was a big force here. Sarah played for the volleyball team and the basketball team. On the basketball team is where she really shined. And she challenged Teresa for the block shot record. And Sarah went in to try and see if she could best Jen. And then there's me, living my best life. <laughs> I mean, growing up, I was always perfectionist. I wanted everything to be perfect, and I wanted to be the perfect person and live up to the family expectation of doing good in school and in sports. That has uh, hampered her because the perception, yeah. right? There's six foot seven mom, there's six foot seven Jen, there's six foot six Sarah, and here comes six foot three Heather. Oh, she's short, even if she is a Hampson, doesn't really look like a Hampson. Is she really a Hampson? You know, we spend endless days answering fans. Yep, that really is one of ours. Growing up, it was just kind of shoved in my face of like, well, you're not tall, so like, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna be different? I think it was really difficult for me as a parent to, to see it going on and not really knowing how to help. And a child doesn't always come to you and a child doesn't always respond to you as a parent telling them, well, you're really good. She would make comments like, well, Mom, you're supposed to love me. You know, you're supposed to think I'm wonderful. You're supposed to think all of these things. But she didn't think of them that way herself. Wanting to be perfect was still such a mental strain on me during school. And so that just kind of made myself isolate myself from everyone. And just, I need to focus on being the best in my sports and in school. But because of that, I was just so depressed and had so much anxiety and was not in a good place mentally in my senior year. In high school, we realized that it could be debilitating for her and it could cause some things where she just wasn't moving and going where she wanted to go. Having a mental breakdown every other day, that was normal. And so I remember my mom, you know, nudged me. She's like, hey, how you doing? 
do I go talk to someone? I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Like, I don't need help. And then I remember the turning point, I think, was when I was in the car with Sarah, and she talked to me, and she was like, hey, you're not doing good. You should go listen to mom, like, go to therapy. And she's like, this isn't normal. If you're happy, you wouldn't be breaking down all the time. And so I was like, okay. You know, I think it's important to talk a little bit about um, mental health as well. And I think that it's been something that people don't like to talk about sometimes. And I think that um, when they hear that it's okay and accept it and those kinds of things. After about like two months of going, I started to see a big improvement. It was really helpful because I was going into summer term for college coming up. And so I think I probably wouldn't have survived if I was still in that mental state coming out of high school. Time came to make decisions about college. You know, Heather's playing high school volleyball and basketball, starring on both teams, doing really well, getting offers to play both volleyball and basketball at a variety of schools. But BYU was not nibbling. I wanted to play at BYU, and so I think that kind of was hard, though, because I didn't really have a backup plan if BYU didn't work. That's just her dream, and that's what she wanted to do. And so that's what she did. She went after it. And Coach Judkins said, OK, we'll take a chance on you. Don't know if you're really any good, but we'll take a chance. I'll let you be a walk-on. She redshirted her first year, which I thought was smart. Again, another sacrifice where you're never going to get on the court and you're a walk-on, so you're signing up for just being a practice player. And she worked really, really hard for Jetty and made great progress and did some great things. She earns everything that she's gotten. She's earned a scholarship from me for the last two years, and I love that she just comes to work every day. She's the first one in the gym, the one on the days off, making sure she's getting shots up, so she's always working to get somewhere. Even though everybody expects this, you know, all-American approach to it because of who her family has been in the past. Whether she's the tallest in her family or the smallest, it, really doesn't matter because of what she adds to our team. There's a price to be paid to win, and Heather Hampson continually pays that price and does what it takes to be successful. So there's no doubt in my mind that on the court, off the court, success is going to follow her. I think that I, in the last year, I've seen leaps and bounds with her. She's just been far more willing to take those risks and work hard to get where she wants to be and gain that confidence. For a while, I was just accepted the fact that I'm just a Hampson, and that's all I'll ever be, and I am, and I'm proud of that. But I am Heather Hampson. I am my own person, and I think it's important that we all recognize everyone as who they are and not group them with whatever we might categorize them in. And, and I'm a McCann. <laughs> We've got all our individual stuff about us, but what, a, what an opportunity for her to be in that family and for that family to have her in it. Yes, and uh, I, I buy into what Amber Whiting says, you know, like she's earned a scholarship for a reason, and I think Heather Hampson's going to leave her mark in 
in a greater way than she has to this point uh, as she pushes forward through BYU women's basketball. Well, Heather and the Cougars are at home tonight against Oklahoma, the Big 12 home opener, and you can see it live on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. You can listen to it on BYU Radio, 9 o'clock Eastern time tonight. Pace yourself, you got a long day ahead. Man, it's, it's going to be a busy weekday. This is the first of four games I'm going to call. Happy New Year. So let's go. <laughs> Which BYU sports storylines are you most looking forward to in 2024? More of your responses after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. What BYU sports storylines are you most looking forward to in 2024? Brian on X first asked to be BYU basketball. Mark Pope has this group clicking, and I'm curious about what damage they can do in the conference. Teams coming to Provo are in for a Marriott Center surprise. Can BYU win on the road? Can they finish the top half in the top half or higher in the conference? That's what he's thinking about. Pick to finish 13th out of 14 teams. Yeah, is it too much to hope for a top seven finish from this team? Frankly, Dave, I would take a top nine finish because I think nine teams in the Big 12 are going to get into the NCAA tournament. Like yeah. that, I think that was going to happen. That game at UCF uh, on the second leg of that road trip. Oh, man. They're picked 14th. Got to grab that one. Massive. That's a road game that BYU can and should win. Yeah. Sean Aurelian on Facebook says, I am most interested to see how BYU does against Utah in its renewed conference rivalry in all sports. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. It's great. And, they, and no one gets to choose to play. They have to play. <laughs> <laughs> Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Jeremiah underscore Hale on X, who says, 40-year anniversary of BYU's 1984 championship celebrated in tandem with BYU's 2024 championship. I like talking Big thinking. 12 championship or national championship? Is he going next Jeremiah? level? Huh? Let's start with this one, and then we'll include that one if yeah. it were to happen. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's give it to Fred Warner and his wife, Sydney, oh, yeah. who we knew were having their first child, but we found out that it's a boy. <laughs> what, we, what we don't know is if Jay Hill has made a contact with them <laughs> for an in-house visit it's, the moment he comes home. Has a verbal uh, already been offered from Fred on behalf of his son, his <laughs> unborn son? <laughs> I like to think so. Come on, Fred. That's great stuff. Our thanks to today's guest, Greg Rubel. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. All our shows on demand at BYUSN.com. For Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Troy Warner. We'll see you tonight for BYU Women's Basketball against Oklahoma. Go Cougs!